Welcome to the Towns of Learning Show podcast series, episode 31, with independent learning tech analyst John Lay. Today, I interview Brian Carlson, CEO of eThink Education, about open source learning technology in the corporate extended enterprise market. You can find more of our content at TownsofLearning.com. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining me for another episode. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise learning technology from both the practitioner and the vendor expert side of the fence. Today's guest, Brian Carlson, operates and founded a learning system solution provider company that specializes in open source learning technology. You know, not so long ago, many professionals in the corporate learning sector believed that open source learning technology was really designed and limited to the academic sector, but times have changed and the corporate market now has highly viable open source solutions and they do have a lot of advantages over off the shelf. And we're gonna learn all about it today from Brian. Brian, thanks for joining me today. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, John. I'm excited to uh, talk to you today. Excellent, excellent. We've been having conversations here over the last year and I'm thrilled to have you on the show now so that we can uh, bring everybody else in on our uh, learning technology uh, discussions and sharing a notes of what's going on in the marketplace. How about, uh, you know, we start off by you tell us a little bit about your background and who you are and how you became involved in the learning tech industry. We'll set the stage there and then we'll dig into, uh, we'll dig into all the good extended enterprise topics in just a little bit. Great, great, John. I'd love to. So uh, my background is uh, sort of unique. Uh, I was, uh, in, when I was in uh, university, I studied astronomy and physics and, uh, uh, and then I left from there thinking I was going to go and, and continue that path, but uh, took a, a pretty radically different path, as I think most people do in life, and ended up living on a small island in the South Pacific uh, in the country of Vanuatu. I was on an island called Afate, and uh, just off uh, the coast of uh, Australia and above New Zealand, um, I was there as a teacher, uh, sort of like uh, a volunteer Peace Corps type uh, situation. There were a lot of Peace Corps people there. I was uh, not actually in the Peace Corps, but I was uh, doing similar things, which was um, doing sustainable, sustainable development type work uh, as, a, as an instructor at one of the local uh, high schools. There were about eight high schools in the entire country, and uh, I was uh, a teacher there for about two years and absolutely loved my time there teaching. And when I came back from Vanuatu, I was looking for a job. I was living in Philadelphia, and I got eventually hooked up to a company that became Aleutian. Uh, at the time, it was a company called ABT, which was purchased by SCT, which was purchased by SunGuard Higher Education, and uh, went through those uh, different acquisitions, and it became the largest student information system company in the world, and I was a, a technical consultant for that uh, for that company and traveled all around to different colleges and universities during the six years that I was there. So that's how I started prior to founding eThink. Wow. And so your very next job after that was uh, you went ahead and founded eThink? Yeah. I mean, I had some uh, prior to taking that role, I did have some startups that I that I was a part of before working for Aleutian. Uh, but uh, while I was at Aleutian, I did see a pretty interesting trend in the learning space that was emerging and the opportunity. I've always been, I think, pretty entrepreneurial in nature. I was the, the kid who had the lemonade stand out in the front yard and was mowing lawns on the side and 
Uh, it was always kind of who I was. So when I saw that opportunity uh, for open source Moodle, which in the in the mid 2000s was sort of emerging, um, there was a there was a lot of expertise that myself and my my co-founder and, and current business partner Cheryl Potsalos had seen uh, that we had that applied very very well. So the light bulb uh, the light bulb uh, sort of went off in, in, in our heads, and we realized that. Uh, that we could do very, very well. So we went in about 12 years ago and founded eThink at, at that stage. Wow, excellent. And could you give us a snapshot description of eThink, uh, what it is today and your mission? Yeah, I'll, I'll start by by just explaining what Moodle is because that's really where we started. Uh, we started running services around an open source platform called Moodle. And I think many people uh, that are listening today are probably familiar with Moodle. It's used, uh, it started in uh, academia. I think it was more of a higher ed and K-12 solution to start with, but quickly because it's open source, evolved into uh, a solution that we're seeing used in nonprofits and uh, and government and uh, many corporations that we support currently in, uh, in, in many cases, extended enterprise use. So we started there uh, supporting clients for Moodle, and uh, and then you know during that time continued to expand out what we do as an organization, uh, including we there's a derivative of, of Moodle. We'll get to that I think probably here throughout our conversation called Todora. But we brought that product in and started doing support for that, which has been a tremendous success for us. Um, but our our mission, uh, you know, in terms of its its formal statement, and we recently did a, a, a mission values uh, behaviors exercises and sort of redid our mission statement uh, internally in the company, is to empower organizations to maximize their learning initiatives. So whatever those learning initiatives are for the organization, regardless of what sector they're in, whether it's internal or external use, we look at the solutions that we have and we configure solutions uh, both in the products that we offer as well as partner solutions that connect in to what we do in order to meet uh, those objectives that the organization has. Wow. So you're you're kind of like a, a software company, but much more because you're software agnostic and then you provide all the support to make somebody successful. You know, that's really what makes us special. I think that that's what makes us different is that we're not uh, – we'll, we'll get into this a little bit on the model, but we actually – are not the only group out there that can provide you the platforms that we do. So as a result, we are 100% focused on the service. We're 100% focused on the client needs. We have to be in order to maintain uh, success and keep that client base because they can go elsewhere for the for the products that we offer. So we have to do something pretty unique on the service side uh, and provide a lot of value there in order to be successful. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, let's take a step back. Uh, uh, probably everybody might know um, the word open source, and they might know the product of Moodle. But I don't know if any, everybody necessarily understands uh, the concept of, of open source in general. Maybe for for us uh, slow pokes here, could you uh, just set the stage on what that means to you and what that means in the industry in general, and I guess what open source means inside a, a learning technology? It is a big question, uh, John, and it, it's it's certainly one that I think people get um, you know confused by when you look at open source and what it means. Many people we're talking, most people that we talk to on a day to day basis, 
uh, when, when we're out there talking to clients and, and prospects. They're not technology people. They're not, you know, they're not living in the, the world of nerd that I've lived in in my days where I, I love diving into code and some of the things that got me into this industry um, made me very quickly understand what open source means. So I'll give a, a more, uh, you know, general description of open source to help people understand how common open source is and also how dominant it's been in almost every aspect of technology. So starting with the phones we use, uh, if you're an iPhone user, that's a closed source product. If you're an Android user, that's an open source product. Open source just means that the code base is freely available on the internet and everyone can look at that code line by line, add to it, take it, put it on their device if they want. So Samsung might use uh, the open source Android software that's out there. Uh, another maker may want to use it uh, and, and different uh, hardware providers will take that open source code, tweak it to their own flavor and then put it out there. But it's still based on free code uh, that you're seeing on those Android devices. Whereas on an iPhone, you're using a closed source version. You don't see other uh, hardware manufacturers using iOS, it's just Apple. And as a result, what's really fascinating is Apple came out very dominant in the beginning, but then open source because it's free and can be on many different types of hardware, eventually dominated the market. And now you have more than 85% of the market using an Android based device and probably closer to about 10% using an Apple device. Uh, because over time, uh, that 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 storyline is in every industry, and we've seen it with Linux compared to uh, to Windows. And Linux controls most of the server architecture market. Uh, that's an open source product, Linux, and has many flavors like Red Hat that some people might have heard of. Whereas Windows is a closed source solution and is not uh, you cannot actually get directly to the code. Price points tend to be a little higher on the on the closed source products than the open source products. And uh, we see that in every possible, uh, there I could list a dozen different types of, I know we only have a limited amount of time today, open versus closed examples. But another great one, John, is WordPress. You know, WordPress is open source and you know, just about everybody I know has a, has a website on WordPress. And that's an open source platform that everyone can see the code of that website builder, whereas the closed source options out there are not nearly as popular. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, here's a question that uh, that I always have that I don't necessarily think I have my arms around, and maybe somebody in the audience is just like me. But where does the open source come from? Who uh, who creates that in the first place? You know, that that's fascinating. Uh, I mean, we could talk for hours about this, John. That's a great question, <laughs> honestly. Um, wow, you know, there are books written on each open source movement that sort of comes out. You know, Linux came out as a movement, as sort of the antithesis of Windows. Um, I think Android came out as sort of the antithesis of, of uh, the Android solution. So with Moodle in particular, which is where our world started, uh, is Martin Duryamis in Australia in about 2001, put out late 2001, uh, worked as a thesis project to say, what would it look like? He was working on his graduate degree if we has, he saw what was going on with his university with Blackboard, which was the predominant force at the time. And they had almost 100% of the market share. It was an absurd amount, uh, 90% or something like that, high 80s. And he said, what would happen if, and the price points were very, very high because they were borderline a monopoly. If we put out a free 
code base, and we published it on the internet, similar to some of the other open source projects in other uh, industries, and we let universities who have you know, deep talent in, uh, in academia, great you know, students and uh, technology people, what if we let them contribute and let it be community-driven in terms of the functionality set, put it up on a website, maintained a release with everyone's ideas being uh, sort of you know, taken in, people who contributed various parts of code from all these universities all over the world would, would, would contribute, and then we'd release the code, and people could run that as an alternative to Blackboard, which was very, very expensive at the time. And uh, it was, you know, the only game in town. They had the prices very, very high. They've come down considerably over the years um, because of new competition, like something like Moodle. So the, almost every open source story that I've seen starts as sort of that idea of what would it look like if we had more eyeballs and more community involved in product development and made it a free project. And then different business models have sort of evolved around, well, how do we maintain this? And how do we get salaries for the people that or in the central sort of nonprofit uh, that, that run and maintain that code and make sure that only, you know, only the best ideas are being added and, and it's sort of some level of, 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 uh, of control over, over what goes out. So they all start like that. And then with Moodle, you know, what's fascinating is much like the enterprise, uh, much like the example of, of uh, the, the Google uh, versus Android solution versus iOS, Moodle quickly became and still is the most widely used learning management system in the world in both uh, the corporate space and the academic space. And that is something that most people don't realize. But worldwide, especially when you go globally, in certain categories, it's not even close. Moodle is very dominant because people can download it for free and then do it on their own because the code's freely available or they can use a company like us if they need additional assistance. And that model has created mass adoption uh, and beaten out market share wise every other product uh, globally by, by a mile. Interesting. There's a perception right? out there from the, the corporate side that uh, Moodle isn't, I don't know, attuned uh, for the, the, the corporate market. Uh, do you agree with that or no? Sounds like no. Well, it's, yeah, definitely not. Uh, you know, it, it was built to start with in academia. And right, it was built uh, when Martin first started doing this, he was getting a lot of traction in colleges and universities, which is where that perception came from. But that code base was out there and people were already immediately seeing the value of using that in extended enterprise and uh, and, and, and many different pro-ed type situations, whether it's nonprofits or government organizations uh, you know, it, it had plenty of application early on, but it did have that early perception because of where its roots were. Um, but if I look at what we're doing as an organization uh, and the sales, you know, that we've had over the last two years, in terms of Moodle, we have probably 75% of our last two years of net new logos have been pro-ed outside of, of academia. Which is which is very interesting and, and very surprising to most people. Interesting. So, what else? Uh, if Moodle has uh, s such a deep penetration on, on the global market, uh, is there any competition to that? Is, is that the only open source uh, platform out there? What are the open source platforms for education? And then, I guess specifically, that could be used for extended enterprise. 
Yeah, that's a great question. So there, there have been a couple of others. Uh, there have been, you know, historically, uh, there have been a couple. Uh, some have come and gone because they never received the amount of traction. To have a very successful open source project, you need to get scale and you need enough contributing members for it to get uh, to get legs and to continue on. And Moodle's now been in existence uh, for about uh, coming up on around 18 years. So it's certainly reached that critical mass that you need to be successful. There have been some others, and one of the most interesting when it comes to extended enterprise is, and this happens in many different sectors when you look at open source, is someone looks at that open source code and says, what if I took that code, added or changed some things, and created what's called a fork of that code? So Totara did that, and they did a phenomenal job of looking at that, saying, you know, initial Moodle was more focused on the academic sector. What if we focused that same code base but added things to make it just in the pro-ed space and really hit the needs of pro-ed all the way through extended enterprise? So they did that and they now have created a different model, fork of that that's open source that has uh, coming up on about 2,000 very large enterprise clients globally in a very interesting channel model similar to what Moodle did that's been wildly successful uh, and has offered an alternative and competition, which has been good because it's pushed both products uh, to be even better. And we see that, quite frankly, on a, on, a, on a current basis, even more so. Both products are competing with each other uh, to, to you know, put out better functionality, or if one product puts it out, now the other one is trying to match or beat that, which is great for, great for customers. Yeah, in, in that vein, isn't Moodle now uh, creating its own uh, corporate version? Uh, You're exactly right. It, it, it saw what the order did, and it's creating its own version called Moodle Workplace. Uh, and we have uh, clients that look at Moodle Workplace, look at Moodle, and look at Totara, and some say Totara is a better fit for them based on what their specific needs are. Some say uh, Core Moodle is a better fit, and others will look and say, no, Moodle Workplace is now a better fit. We stay agnostic. We let the client choose by putting the, the solutions in front of them and hearing what their need set is and uh, sort of mocking up what their, their needs would look like in each of those solutions. But Moodle did respond, uh, really, the, honestly, a direct response to that competition in what they're doing. And they've been working on that project. We've been a big contributor to it for the last two years. Most of it was sort of in stealth mode and now recently they've made that public and got some, quite honestly, some great functionality in there, some great new UI UX changes. And uh, we can already see it's been very competitive early on. We've already won some business using that product uh, where when they looked at both products, they felt that Moodle Workplace was the better fit. So it's an interesting time right now with that new development. I think Moodle strategically uh, knew that that was a move that they needed to make because it just shows that they've caught up to understanding that Moodle was already being used in so much in the pro-ed space with corporate and nonprofit and government, and they needed to address it in a little bit more of a strategic manner and a, uh, I think, and, and, and get their story uh, and their messaging wrapped around it with some specific functionality to back that up, which I think they've done a really nice job of responding to. Wow, competition is a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> So there's, a, you know, as you know, uh, there is somewhere uh, around a thousand different learning systems that are available in the world right now, and most of them, uh, 
99% of them are commercially off-the-shelf systems or SaaS systems or cloud-based learning management systems. Why would an organization want to, why would an organization, what, are the, what would be the benefit of using an open source learning management system versus one of the commercially off-the-shelf ones? Like, what's, how did that get to number one? Like, what, what's the incremental get here? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. There's so many uh, so many reasons that I think the open source solutions are a better option for most organizations out there, or they should at least be deeply in the conversation as a, as a finalist. The first is the business model is flipped on the head comparatively to what you see with closed source. Uh, what I mean by that is we don't own the product. The product is owned by the community, or in other words, there are other providers other than us that can offer you services for that product. We do not vendor lock you with a license. What that means is we are incentivized because of that competition of multiple service providers being able to offer you uh, service for the same product to be incredibly proactive uh, when it comes to service. We become very consultative to our clients. We are, uh, I'd say, obsessive is, is, is no short of, of what we are when it comes to client needs. We respond to tickets in under an hour. Uh, we have a close rate on tickets under an hour where the average response date, uh, the uh, response time from, from vendors that we've seen can be somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, you know, as little as or as long as somewhere closer to um, several days even. So that, that's significant uh, in terms of, of the first one. And I don't know if you've seen that as well, but uh, that starts to be one of the things. And the other thing is the flexibility in our, uh, in our, um, in our, in our ability to, to manipulate or change the code and configure it to meet the needs of those specific organizations because the code is open. And where that really shines through is in integrations because you probably are going to need to integrate to all sorts of different things that you're not aware of uh, that you may find later on down the road uh, as you get into what your need sets will are, which are going to almost, you know, guarantee they're going to change as you continue to buy, provide learning to your, uh, to your, to your, uh, to your extended enterprise learners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Great. Well, we're yeah. at the end of our time. In fact, we're, we're past it, past it, but we finished it. Uh, every interview up with uh, asking advice uh, from our from our guest experts like yourself. And so uh, my question for you is, uh, so say you work for an organization and uh, you know that you're going to get, uh, you're going to go out in 2020 looking for a new extended enterprise uh, LMS for your organization, but your organization has never used open source before. In a nutshell, what are the three things uh, that you would advise uh, somebody to 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 use as messaging points, I think, uh, to communicate internally on why they should include or at least include an open source solution as uh, as part of the the the, com the competitive process. What advice would you give that person that's trying to communicate that internally on why? Wow, that's a a very very good question, and I think that uh, the first piece of advice I would give is uh, don't get too caught up in what functionality does this have that this doesn't have, but more so get involved in what your main 
functionality is and what you want to do, and then have the vendor show you what that functionality looks like for just those couple of key things in their respective products, because that's where you'll see the differences. The two others I would hone in on is number one, because of what I'm saying in number one, where at a minimum, the gap between functionality is more commoditized than it used to be 20 years ago in the, in the space. So I would say because of that for number two, focus on the service. Um, what you said earlier is true, that the closed source companies have for the most part tended to cut back the amount of service that they're doing. They've tried to make it more self-service. And I'm not convinced that the products are simple enough for that to, to be the case. I've seen uh, these are very complex products that could do a tremendous amount. So the open source option, in my humble opinion, gives you, by the, by the sake of the model, a much better, much better service uh, quality and a, and a much deeper integration of that team into what your need set is, because they have to be, because there's competition even across the, the partners that can offer the same product. So that's number two. The third, I would say, I think our industry is in the most state of rapid change that's ever existed. And my belief is the reason this is occurring is because they, there's been open standards adopted by all these different learning management systems, things like LTI, where you can integrate two different products now using an open standard, meaning every LMS can integrate to the same product if they use the LTI standard. Same with XAPI, SCORM is a good example, but there are open standards everybody's using now. And as a result, it's made an explosion of new products that fit into the, what I like to call, everyone likes to call the e-learning ecosystem, which is, you know, you're not just going to need an LMS. You might need micro learning or analytics or video or some type of content or a multitude of other things that you may not even know yet. Uh, and if that's the case, in order to future-proof yourself, you need to be uh, looking at a solution that has a track record of integrating well to all these different components and making a seamless solution that your end user does not realize there's a couple of products put together. And that's critical right now. And I think that open source has a history of, long, of a long track record, right? Moodle's been in existence for coming up on 20 years. A lot of the closed source solutions come and go. They're, they're out there. They're there for a couple of years. They get bought out. They get sunset. No one owns Moodle, no one owns the code. So it has that ability for future-proofing that I think uh, no other solution has. And, and the same goes for Totoro. So I think that's important. Those, those three are the ones I would hone in on. Wow, excellent. There you have it, sage advice. Use use cases, <laughs> think about service, future-proof your solution. Uh, from Brian Carlson, CEO, founder of eThink Education. Brian, thanks for joining me here today on the Talent to Learn show. It's great to have you as a guest. Such a pleasure today. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Talent to Learning podcast series. You can find more of our content at talenttolearning.com.